are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Tuesday edition of Locked On NBA, running through the scores and biggest stories in the NBA from last night. I'm Wes Goldberg, host of Locked On Warriors and reporter for the Bay Area News Group. Here with David Rimmel, the host of Locked On Heat. David, let's start with Dallas and Houston. Uh, Luka Doncic has t- 33 points, 16 rebounds, and 11 assists, posting a triple-double. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., 30 points off the bench as the Mavericks used a big fourth-quarter run to pull away in a 113-100 to win over the Rockets. Dallas led by three with about seven minutes remaining before using a 14-3 to run, uh, seven points from Hardaway in that run to extend the lead um, with about two and a half minutes left and really icing the game there. During that time, Houston just couldn't get anything going. They missed five shots. They had two uh, two turnovers in that span. Hardaway, off the bench, uh, makes eight of ten three-point attempts in the game. Um, and in our Locked On Podcast Network poll, David, we were asked which uh, among the sub-500 teams we were most worried about. And one of the choices was Dallas. But after this win... And after Luca's big game and a slight, a slight tweak to the starting lineup, um, what are your thoughts on the Mavericks going forward? I never really had that many concerns because I know they're kind of just uh, holding water here until, you know, Kristaps Porzingis comes back into the lineup and comes back at full strength. But for now, I think Rick Carlisle made the right change to a starting lineup that had been a little porous defensively. They looked pretty solid against Miami, although maybe that was more indicative of Miami struggling against them uh, earlier on January 1st. But you know, I think the changes to the starting lineup with inserting Willie Cauley-Stein and Maxi Kleber there for a little bit more defensive versatility gives them some big size in that front court. Uh, they took out Tim Hardaway Jr. and Dwight Powell, bringing them off the bench. And for Hardaway, clearly it worked. He's more of a an offensive-minded six-man type player, and, and he has that size. The shooting ability, I mean, 8 of 10 from three-point range is probably an aberration, but still a really solid game for him overall. And I, I think the kind of change could be a long-term one, to be honest with you. It kind to restore some normalcy in that starting lineup with Josh Richardson at the two and Dorian Fitty-Smith at the small forward spot. And again, that versatility, that size, I think it's a really nice matchup. Again, good defensive presence there, good offensive balance. I think you're you're in a good spot with your Dallas. I mean, I, I just never really had the kind of concerns yeah. that a lot of people did about their ability to contend for a playoff spot. I didn't either, and I like that uh, the addition of Kleber and, and Willie Cauley-Stein in that starting lineup kind of gives them what they had last year with Kristaps Porzingis as that stretch four and then Dwight Powell in there. Uh, Dwight Powell, 15 minutes off the bench, basically got uh, uh, replaced by Willie Cauley-Stein as that rim-running, screen-setting type of big center. Uh, and Kleber, look, he went 0-for-1 tonight from three-point range, didn't score, but he was a plus 16 as a part of that starting group. And it's because he's... Uh, the Rockets had to respect his outside jumper. The dude can can hit three-pointers. Most of his shots, I think the broadcast said something like 90% of his shots. I don't know if the play-by-play guy was just exaggerating, but it wouldn't shock me if 90% of his shots came from beyond the arc. Uh, right. He's a floor-spacing big, right? And so you put that with a with a, with a a, a, a pick-and-roll type of center in Willie Cauley-Stein, a lob threat that Luka Doncic is able to find. No coincidence that he had 11 assists in this game. Uh, I like the change to the starting lineup. It allows Tim Hardaway Jr. to come off the bench, 30 points off the bench. Again, 8 of 10 from three-point range. You can't expect that every night. But between him and some of these other options that they have, I, I think Dallas, with that starting lineup, they become a little bit deeper, a little bit more cohesive. I like the group overall. I do want to talk about the Rockets, though, a little bit. James Harden 
uh, 21 points on the night, didn't uh, on five of 17 shots, didn't look very aggressive to me, um, had 10 mm-hmm. assists. But, but I, I want to talk about a positive with Houston, which I, don't, I feel like we don't really do enough. Um, by the way, Christian Wood, 23 points uh, on 8 of 15 shooting, looked lost out there a little bit. I think they're putting too much on his plate. But again, trying to be positive with Houston because we're not. John Wall, 14 points on 4 of 10 shooting, 4 assists, 4 rebounds. An okay game, right? I just think it's remarkable that he's, he's even doing this right now. Um, yeah. The broadcast during the, the game had this stat. Uh, John Wall is the first player since Michael Jordan to score a combined 50 points in his first two games uh, between two years uh, between games. Michael Jordan obviously did that after coming back from playing baseball. John Wall does that after coming back from a major injury and a major surgery and a procedure and a rehab. Uh, he looks good out there. He looks aggressive. He's not as fast as he used to be, but he's still really fast. He's trying really hard on defense. Um, it's, it's just a feel-good story right now in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, most of the concerns about this team were about Wall. Nobody really saw the Harden situation turning as ugly as it did as quickly as it did. I mean, once they made the trade to acquire Wall, the thought process was that Washington clearly won that trade because at least Westbrook, for all of his inefficiency, is at least a serviceable player, and you don't know what you're getting from Wall. But he's turned it around. He's been really good for them. I mean, not great. Not Maybe he won't ever be as spectacular as he once was. But for now, at the very least, that he's even out there, you're right. It's a absolute positive. And, and it's nice to see a, a player – you know, that can at least function and bounce back from injury. And I think that's kind of a, a big theme around the league with Kevin Durant and other players making the comeback. And, I mean, Steph Curry having a, a big outing after a lot of people questioned whether or not he'd ever be as explosive. So uh, to see Wall going out there and playing after his, his you know injuries that could have ruined a career is, is a pretty nice change. A couple other scores that we'll wrap up really quickly. The Magic beat the Cavaliers 103-83 to as Orlando snapped a two-game losing streak that had followed their four straight victories to open the season. They entered the game making the fewest threes per game in the league, but they made a season-high 15 three-pointers, and that was led by Aaron Gordon, who had a bounce-back game. Uh, He had six three-pointers in the game, finished with 24 points. A nice game from the Magic over over the Sexland Cavaliers. Yeah, unfortunately, Dante Exum also sustained an injury. He left early in the game, and I don't think we've gotten any clarification as we're recording this as to what the extent of the injury was. But for a player like him uh, who showed such promise early in his career and has never really been able to get past the various injuries that have taken him out of any kind of sort of consistent role, uh, that's unfortunate for him because he was playing pretty well for them this season. Uh, moving on, Joel Embiid, 14 points, 11 rebounds in that double-double. The reigning Eastern Conference Player of the Week, Tobias Harris, with 22 points, 76ers beat the Hornets 118 to 101 for their fourth straight win. Classic LaMelo ball game, and I'm saying this class, he's only played a handful of games, but this is the classic LaMelo ball game. Pair of highlights, I didn't think he was all that impressive and impactful overall. Uh, but Tobias Harris, again, Eastern Conference Player of the Week, I thought with Doc Rivers, one of his biggest challenges was to get Tobias Harris to play the best basketball that he's played because under Doc Rivers is when Tobias Harris played his best basketball of his career when he was with the Clippers. Um, he's been really good for, for the Philadelphia early on. I'm buying completely into what it is that they're doing. I think the culture has changed in Philadelphia early on. They seem more harmonious. Joel Embiid is getting into his post games earlier and more aggressively. Uh, and and you're getting really good comp- contributions from Tobias Harris, floor spacing from Seth Curry. Um, Philadelphia looks legit, man, right now. Yeah, look, I, I have to say about Harris, one of the things that I've seen 
about him lately, and it was a really good point. I wish I could take credit for it, but it's been hard to separate Tobias Harris, the contract from Tobias Harris, the player, because he's mm. mostly been really good. And now you start to think of him in terms of like, wow, that incredible contract. It's so bad. And kind of the same narrative that surrounded Joe Johnson after he signed a huge deal with the Atlanta Hawks, where he was always talking about seven-time all-star Joe Johnson. It was like, yeah, he's a seven-time all-star. Yeah, he's getting paid a lot of money. Maybe not commensurate for that kind of value of that contract. And the same thing with Harris. He's still been a really solid role player. He can just never be good enough to live up to the expectations that come with the kind of deal that he signed a couple of years ago. I want to talk, Eric Spolster had some interesting comments. He doesn't care about starting lineups, apparently. We're going to talk about that a little bit more next. But first, David, tell our listeners about betonline.ag. Well, look, the NFL playoffs are, are kicking off. The NBA season's in full swing. And if you want to get into online betting, there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust as a network. That's betonline.ag. If you sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. Again, the NBA season, if you want to get in on the action, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. And don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Betting on the NBA doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. The Heat beat the Thunder 118 to 90 using a 20 to nothing third quarter run to turn what was a four point game into a blowout. Kelly Olenek made five three-pointers as part of the starting lineup. Bam Adebayo led all scores with 20 points on nine for 10 shooting. Miami now has played six games, alternating losses and wins in all of those games. They've used a different starting uh, lineup in each of those games. After the game, Eric Spolster said, quote, I think the starting lineup is so overstated in so many ways. The important thing is us building consistency to how we want to play. David, what do you think about that? I mean, what else is he going to say? I think he'd probably want to have a lot more stability if Jimmy Butler had been available for at least two of those games, but it kind of forced his hand where he had to try different players out. And the reality is that Miami also has a glaring weakness at the four spot in their front court that was filled so admirably by Jay Crowder during most of the Orlando bubble. And, and so I think right now for Miami, part of what Spolstra is saying is that the team – doesn't really have a clear identity. I think they're trying to replicate the success of the Orlando bubble, but they don't have the personnel for it. And, you know, Jay, with his shooting was so phenomenal, which is a big part of what made their season so successful and able to get as deep as they did in the playoffs. But he also provided some incredible defensive versatility. They didn't have that. They thought maybe Mo Harkless would be that player. He's been pretty bad to be be honest with you yeah I I mean I didn't think it was going to be this bad but it's been pretty bad they had to start Myers Leonard for a couple games he's been mostly unplayable aside from the two starts he hasn't got any playing time is it too early to just make to just give the job to KZ Okpala Yes. Uh, Okpala hasn't warranted any playing time whatsoever. He played today because it was a 30-point blowout. And again, Heat fans are up in arms about it because they had big expectations for a player that they made a move for to acquire on the draft day a couple of years ago. But Eric Spolstra has been noncommittal about what's made his playing time so scarce. Uh, I think my feeling is that he's just not practicing to the level that Eric Spolstra expects him to. And he hasn't shown that kind of drive and commitment to the work that Miami Pride takes so much pride in. And if that's the case, he's not going to earn any playing time in games he's been a little inconsistent he has flashes but overall uh, just not enough I think to warrant any playing time and, and they're 
rookie from this year, Precious Achua, is also pretty raw. He's a little undersized. He's a high-energy guy, constant motor, all those kinds of things. But he doesn't provide that same kind of defensive versatility they're looking for. They even started Andre Iguodala at 36 last game, too. So that shows you the problems they've been having. Olenek did a really good job. And I think he's he's a nice change of pace for them because he does provide some floor spacing. He shot really well tonight, 5 of 7 from the floor. But he's also a good ball handler. He can make plays for others. Defensively, it wasn't really an issue because Oklahoma City is so undersized. But they've got a big matchup against the Boston Celtics on Wednesday. And we'll see whether or not that same starting lineup is in place then, too. Yeah, I think I think you you make a good point there. They're really missing Jay Crowder, and if you if the answer to your problem is Jay Crowder, then I think you've you've got a pretty big problem, right? Like that's the wrong question to be asking. But um, they need somebody who can kind of fill that spot as a big body who could shoot threes, who's a little bit more versatile because obviously you have a big body who could shoot threes in both Kelly Olynyk and Myers Leonard, but they're not as versatile defensively. Um, and it kind of limits what Bam Adebayo, I think, can do on that end a little bit, even though, again, he had a really nice game tonight. But um, I do wonder if the, if the Heat have a move to make, if they need to somehow upgrade that Mo Harkless spot. I don't know what they can do, um, what sort of assets that they'd be able to cobble together and, and what kind of assets they'd want to spend, because now you're talking about an opportunity cost if they want to make a bigger move down the line. But it does feel like, to me, the Heat could be due for a move like they made last year in acquiring Jay Crowder in the first place, right? And going and getting a guy who could play that similar small ball four or floor spacing four position. Um, and then, you know, Goran Dragic, their best plus minus this year has been with Dragic on the court. And he's been great in that six man role, but you've got to wonder at what point do you sort of give up on the six man stuff and just put Dragic in the starting lineup? If you want to get a little bit more consistency here, I think part of the reason they don't have an identity is because there isn't, uh, a consistent style of play from game to game. Sometimes Bam's your center. Sometimes he's your power forward. You play very different ways in either case. And so I, I do wonder if Spolster at some point needs to settle on a starting five. I thought that that was helpful for them last year when Myers Leonard was starting most of the season at center. At least you just settle on something and you can start to build some consistency. Um, I do think at some point when push comes to shove, Spo's going to have to settle on it. Um, uh, any other thoughts before we move on? I mean, I think their identity is a lot of what we saw in the bubble, sharing the ball, moving it a lot, and then, of course, being able to connect from the perimeter. They've had some problems there because of the the changes and the up-and-down rotations, but I think – the issue isn't really the point guard position. I think that's being a little it's, – it's been overstated to some degree because Tyler Hero, yeah. you know, as a starter and all of a sudden the pressure's on him as a 20-year-old and the expectations were so great after his performance in the playoffs. But he's been mostly really solid. He's just – And their best the, version, you know, by playoff time is Tyler Hero starting. I should be clear. Like, you want him yeah. to develop into that starting point guard role. You know what you're going to get from Goran Dragic. If you really – if you're in the postseason, you really need to do something – you could put Goran Dragic into the starting lineup yes. if you're in a corner, but right. I, I do think that you're trying to actualize this team for the playoffs and that, and the version of that is Tyler hero developing as a bona fide starting point guard. So I agree with that. I spoke, keep saying the problem hasn't been necessarily his playmaking. It's more about getting into their actions a little bit with more intention. That's the word he keeps using mm -hmm. over and over. And it's kind of, dissipated some of the flow that has been apparent or has been missing for most of the season, but was on display against Oklahoma city. And maybe that's just because the thunder are not necessarily a great team, but you know, Tyler didn't have a huge scoring night. He was mostly pretty quiet, but he was mostly effective and just trying to initiate the offense, making sure they got the ball to Jimmy and running it through Bam, et cetera. And, and they swung the ball around really well. They, they had 34 assists on 46 made field goals. And that's more indicative of their type of offense, the kind of style they want to play moving forward. 
Let's go to New Orleans, where with eight minutes left in the game, Indiana held a seven-point lead before the Pelicans went on a 19-2 run and, a, and got a comfortable 10-point lead with three minutes and 30 seconds left in the game. But Victor Oladipo, Miles Turner, and Malcolm Brogdon all hit big shots down the stretch, and keeping the Pelicans to just two points in the last few minutes of the game. To tie things up at 106 and send the game into overtime, Oladipo scored five points in the period, but turned the ball over for Alonzo Ball dunk to tie things at 116 with 20 seconds left in the game. And then on the last possession, Malcolm Brogdon just froze Eric Bledsoe for a floater in the paint. Indiana holds on for the win. Brandon Ingram scored 31 points, but went just 12 of 31 from the field, 31 points on 31 shots. Zion Williamson added 24 points. Old Depot led the Pacers with 25 and got a good night from uh, DeMontis Sabonis and Miles Turner as well. Uh, the Pacers are still without TJ Warren, um, but have looked overall really good early on uh, in the season. Look, are we just heading down the classic Pacers storyline of they're going to win a bunch of games and nobody talks about them because we don't take them seriously in the playoffs because we probably still shouldn't take them quite that seriously in the playoffs. I don't mean to poo-poo on this win, but I just feel like this is the same Pacers story every season. No, and it's going to be this season too because you look at their scoring. I mean, they got some production off their bench, but I think that's going to be the big move for them also is if they're looking to become legitimate playoff contenders, they're going to need to shore that up because I don't know that you can place a lot of faith in in Dylan McDermott or or Jakar Sampson or TJ McConnell coming up big in the playoffs when things really, you know, (laughs) when there's a lot more pressure in in these situations. So I I think they're going to need to, to do something different. I like that starting lineup once Warren is back in there in place of Aaron Holiday. And that's a, a great starting group, to be honest with you, with Turner, Sabonis, Brogdon, Oladipo. I mean, there's a lot of talent, a lot of scoring potential. If they can stay healthy, I like their chances, but they need to I, shore up some of their bench. I like this front court pairing of Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis. I mean, Turner has really sort of been deferential in this role. Um, he could space the floor, obviously a good spot up shooter from the, from, you know, the four or the five, whatever we're calling them. They're kind of, they kind of, you know, mix and match there, but um, Sabonis is just tearing people apart right now. Uh, Turner is spacing the floor. He has every right to just be pissed uh, about the Pacers base being so open about trading him over the last basically 18 months, right. Since February from the trade deadline. So uh, but he's he's settled into his role. I don't know if one day they try to split up that front court, but so far early in the season, it's working, gives them some size. Maybe they're somewhat motivated by the Lakers winning with a lot of size last year. I don't know what it is, but Old Depot looks okay. Uh, they're getting good contributions from other guys. TJ Warren coming back will give them a shot maker. We'll see what it looks like, but I, I, I still, I don't know. Uh, can, how many playoff games can you win if DeMontis Sabonis is your best player? I think Sabonis is a really great player, but we're not talking about one of the best I don't know, 10 guys in the league. And that's typically what it takes to lead uh, teams to the postseason. And then until you get one of those guys, you know, people don't tend to take you all that seriously. Um, moving on to our last few games uh, from the night, Julius Randall Island is thriving early in the season. Mm-hmm. He scored 28 points, grabbed 17 rebounds to lead the Knicks over the Hawks. A little bit of a messy conclusion between the two t- young teams. Uh, neither was that sure how to win the game, but as our friend Jared Dubin tweeted uh, Monday night, the Knicks of the last two decades lose that game 12 out of 10 times. So uh, I just wanted to give Julius more, more over. I wanted to give Julius Randall a shout out because David, you know that I'm a big Julius Randall guy and I feel yes. like I am finally being justified in, in just keeping my, my Julius Randall stock. I haven't sold the stock. 
I'm, get, I'm getting I, some I think fat you dividends forgot right about now. it. I just, just like most NBA fans, you kind of forgot about Julius himself. So <laughs> I think you forgot you even owned that stock. You kind of just checked on That's it right. and said, huh, I still got that, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's been solid. I hope it stays, to be honest with you, because, I mean, I, I've always liked Julius, the player. You've made a really good case for him. I think you even made some comparisons to Draymond Green a couple years ago. I may I have done say. that. That's right. Yes. yes. Uh, and if that's the case, maybe that take didn't age so well. But but if he continues to be solid, I'd like for the Knicks to be a good team. I, I don't want them to suck anymore. No. And you know what, Tom Thibodeau? I like I like what he's got going there. He's, they got him, he's got him playing hard. Uh, they're still a little disorganized, but – it's it's a it's a it's a definitely a meritocracy there if, if for, as far as playing time is concerned. Not since the 2012 season have they been above 500 at seven games or more into the season. That's, is that a real that's stat? A stat? That's unbelievable! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, all right, wrapping it up. Jason Tatum's 40 points, best. Fred Van Vliet's 35 to give the Celtics a 126 to 114 win over the Raptors. Giannis scored a season high 43 points to lead the Bucks to a comfortable win over the Pistons. Giannis had 30 by halftime. Milwaukee won 125 to 115. David, we're going to talk about what's going on in Brooklyn, specifically with Kevin Durant, who's about to miss a whole bunch of games with a very predictable problem. That's coming up next. But first, tell our listeners about Rock Auto. Well, with an ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's impossible to stock all the parts that you'd want in a traditional storefront. So why endure pointless or intimidating questions while the person behind the counter orders the parts you're looking for on their computer, choosing the only brand that their workhouse happens to carry? If you've got computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket, rockauto.com is a family-owned business that serves auto parts customers online and has been doing so for 20 years. You can choose from hundreds of manufacturers on their easy-to-use site, and you'll get everything you need with just a few clicks delivered directly and safely to your door. Why would you Spend more for the exact same parts at a chain store or even worse, at a car dealership. RockAuto.com's low prices are the same for everybody. So go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Then go to their How Did You Hear About Us section and enter Locked On so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's RockAuto.com. Brooklyn plays Utah tonight, but they'll do so without Kevin Durant, and they won't have Kevin Durant for four games as he is quarantining after coming into contact with someone with the coronavirus. Uh, the earliest he can return is January 12th against Denver. The Nets, meanwhile, are 3-4. and four. They've lost Spencer Dinwiddie. They've got games coming up against the Jazz, 76ers, Grizzlies, and Thunder. David, what do you think this means for the Nets going forward? Because we knew that players this season would be lost to the coronavirus. And because of protocols that dictate that you stay quarantined for, you know, almost two weeks, that's a lot of games in a condensed 72 game season. Yeah, it's part of the overall concern about a season like this is that if any kind of significant player loses time due to injury, not just because of COVID protocols, that could really change the outcome of the standings. Like if a significant player loses 10 to 15 games, all of a sudden you find your team from first to last, you know, real quickly. I I don't think it's that big a concern for Brooklyn necessarily. And if anything, it, this tends to be at this point in the season, the kind of thing that winds up being mostly beneficial for these teams, because then some of the players that haven't gotten an opportunity to step up or haven't gotten much playing time because you've got superstars like Kyrie and Durant there, they'll get a chance to get a little run in. They can, you know, 
build some confidence because this is a team that has designs on making the finals. I think Steve Nash has the challenge of trying to sell it that way to those players and say, look, this is your opportunity to build yourself up, to make a case for increased playing time. Even once KD comes back, you'll be part of the rotation moving forward. You can change rotation C. You know, sometimes some of these situations will result in unexpected gifts, you know, where you could say, well, this is a rotation that might actually work. That's the feeling. I mean, maybe that's the positive spin on it, but for a team like Brooklyn, what else can you do? I mean, you, you can't replace a scorer as great as KD. No one's going to fill that, that huge hole. So well, Kyrie Irving is going to try. We know that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. He's going to try to do it all by himself. And look, I, I, I do wonder, look, I don't mean to, I guess, uh, go overboard with what this, what this means for Brooklyn, but they're three and four right now. They got out to a really hot start, but they haven't looked good ever since Spencer Dinwiddie went down. They're really missing that uh, ball handling. Uh, um, they don't they, in that starting lineup. It's kind of messed with their rotations. Karis LeVert, after getting off to a strong start as you know the second coming of Manu Ginobili as the sixth man, has hasn't carried that bench. And I think a lot of that was, had been overstated. I don't know how many people have been watching Brooklyn Nets games since they, you know, had those big national games, but. Levert's only got he's only averaging 13 points per game on 37 percent shooting off the bench he is not Manu Ginobili right now and so I think the strength like they have been losing games when their second unit is in there uh Steve Nash might start uh staggering Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant a little bit more he was a little stubborn to do that initially but they're pro- he's probably gonna have to do that when he has both available to, to sort of lift those things and so I guess I just go to the obvious place here David is if Karis LeVert's not going to be all that impactful for you and you need some extra ball handling and you're losing Kevin Durant for a, 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 not a, a long period of time, but certainly a significant one. Do you just call up Houston and say, what is it that you want? That, that's a, a, a huge question, right? Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth the gamble, right? I feel like they have enough there when everybody's healthy where it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to blow up what's been part of their strength is, is, you know, some depth there and having the complimentary role player step up. I, I, you know, it, does it raise your ceiling significantly if you add James Harden probably, but it also lowers your floor somewhat too, because then all of a sudden you're missing a big part of that depth there. I, I don't know. To me, I, I'm just at this point of season, since it's only a few games, maybe this is a, a look, too lukewarm a take here. I think you just kind of hold the course a little bit and, and write it out. I think it, it, it's telling that they applied at least reportedly to for this yeah. um, disabled player exception, and I think you'll try to use. I think it's going to be valued at somewhere around seven million dollars. You can use that to go get somebody. You can either trade for somebody Ooh. in the final year of their contract, or yeah. or go sign a free agent. I don't know who that is. I have no idea. Uh, Timothy Luwalu, whatever, is not doing what it is that needs to be done in that starting lineup, and they need to figure out some sort of replacement there. And they don't have that replacement on their bench right now. And so they, if they can go out and find a, a guy, you can either help them with some ball handling or help them with some rebounding and slash defense or, or whatever it is to, to sort of be that glue guy that didn't what he was in that starting lineup. Maybe you do that first. And if that doesn't work, then maybe you start having meetings about the drastic uh, push the red button trade to get James Harden. But until then, I think, yeah, there's, there's some minor things that you could do before that, before you just go uh, full-blown break case in case of emergency, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. That'll do it for us today. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked On NBA wherever you listen to podcasts for 30 minutes of the NBA's top stories every morning. David and I will be back next Tuesday, and we'll see you then.